Hello and welcome to the Crystal Podcast on iCode Media. Today I had a conversation with Jeff Harrell, who is the Vice President of Product for Essilor Luxotica Wholesale. We had a great conversation around you know, how our eyes move and how we use our eyes in today's world and the differences of how we communicate with patients who are early presbyopes versus later presbyopes and the advantages of getting our presbyopes into the technology that they need and that they deserve early on. So please enjoy our conversation. And as always, be sure to subscribe to the podcast, write a review, share it with your friends and support those who support us. At iCode, we're focused on providing high quality education. So I recognize other resources that do the same. Today, I want to talk about Leonardo, which is the Essilor Luxotica digital learning platform, which was launched in 2021. Leonardo's vision is to provide comprehensive education to eye care professionals in order to enhance the eyewear and eye care industry. Its mission is to offer innovative online education on vision care, business management, product and technologies. Through a blended approach to education, combining with on-demand content with varying formats and live sessions, Leonardo offers education in 40 languages with content translated up to 30 languages. Easily accessible, 24-7, on-demand, at your pace. The platform has modern and intuitive experience for learners recommending content and highlighting skill-based modules. Since its launch, Leonardo has delivered almost 4 million hours of education, earning a reputation as the leading destination for learners across our industry. Moreover, the offer is enriched by live sessions and courses led by Essilor Luxotica experts and renowned external experts on myopia, presbyopia, light management, and refraction, giving access to the latest scientific and clinical insights. Leonardo has recently enriched its learning proposal by offering curated access to Harvard Business Publishing courses that will enhance both personal and professional skills. The new powerful selection complements the treasure of existing content on the Leonardo platform. It's available in a dedicated area divided into two main sections, Harvard Manage Mentor and Harvard Manage Mentor Spark. Discover a world of education at leonardo.essilorluxotica.com. So Jeff, welcome back. Thanks so much for, for coming on again. I really appreciate it. Our, our last conversation we had, we were talking about the Crizal Sapphire HR, and, and I'm really excited about that, that our experience with our, our patients and our practice have been wonderful with that with that lens coating and with that glare-free lens. Um, and you were right. You know, we, we had discussed a little bit about my selfishness uh, within the conversation of sort of this anti-static, um, so I wouldn't get the dust on my lenses, but... But it's been pretty cool to see that how how resistant they are to scratching, uh, and how uh, aggressive you can be with your cleaning, and still have a great smudge-free, uh, scratch-free lens. So thanks for for not letting me forget that part in terms of having that conversation with my patients. The other thing that you said at the at, at our last conversation that I don't know that we really delved into as much as I would have liked to, but you mentioned Leonardo, and I think we've got a lot of listeners to the podcast that know what Leonardo is, but I'll give you the opportunity to talk about the resources that Essilor Luxotica have poured into Leonardo so that uh, our team can be better trained on specific uh, products and also general optical and um, principles. No, I mean, I th- you know, thanks for the opportunity. I'm glad to be back. 
Um, you know, what, what's great about Leonardo is this, it, that is another example of how Essel Exotica is taking ownership of being a leader in this industry because there's a lot of responsibility that comes with that. And for us, education is critical. You know, I think we talked about it in the, in the last, um, our last podcast where the education of the whole team, the staff, where there's the optometrist in the exam lane, the opticians in the dispensary, having everyone on the same page, having a similar level of knowledge, having the education about the products and, and the benefits makes it so much easier to make that final recommendation, that final prescription to your patient um, so that they can walk out happy with what they want. Leonardo is by far the, 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 a wealth of knowledge about the business. And I mean it from every aspect. If you want to learn about lenses, if you want to learn about frames, there's some really great videos on there about some of the brand storytelling around some of our best frame brands that we have when you think about Ray-Ban, Oakley, Persol. Um, but then at the end of the day, you can get very technical. I can get really into the weeds on the manufacturing process. I can learn as much as I want about any Verilux design or Crizal coating. Or for some of your newer staff members, just the basic fundamentals of optics. And it's a great resource and place to go earn credit for certification classes um, for things like ABO if your staff needs that. I, I, I can't speak highly enough about Leonardo. Um, I use it quite a bit because there's just there's always something new out there. Um, so I highly encourage you and your colleagues to visit it. Yeah, thanks for thanks for doing that. I just wanted to give it some justice so people knew knew exactly what we were talking about last time. The um the thing I really wanted to dive into today, what I'm excited about is the Verilux XR series, and uh and that's actually launching tomorrow. So I get to have the the pleasure of talking to you about this right before uh this comes out. So you know, let's start start by having a conversation around just progressive lenses in general, and and sort of dive deeper so I can get an understanding. Again, most of my patients, we talked about this last time, but uh, about glare-free lenses, but it really applies to to um, progressive lenses as well, as most of our patients in my practice, when they purchase glasses from us, are not purchasing a, a lined bifocal or a trifocal. They purchase a progressive lens. They choose a progressive lens. They they have great uh, experiences with the progressive lens that we use. And, and as I've talked about before on the podcast and and with you, you know, we use Verilux products in our practice and have for basically since I've been in, out of school. And so I say that to say that our patients have really great experiences with the designs that we're using for them uh, in our practice. But how many patients just across the board are not getting progressive lenses? Like, like what's the average uptake. I asked this question when we were talking about glare-free lenses, but yeah. you know, the average percentage of, of a, a patient that needs an ad power that gets a progressive lens, what is it across the country? Well, first and foremost, I, I, I applaud you and thank you for you know, prescribing and recommending Verilux to all your, your, your patients with presbyopia. The sad thing is that's not what we see in the market. First and foremost, hmm. we know that less than half of presbyopes in the U.S. today are in a progressive lens. We, by far, more than other countries, have a very high propensity for bifocals and trifocals. A lot of that can be driven by price point and managed care, but also some of it is just the fact that you're still, we're still recommending it to a, a new, a new presbyope. The sad thing is, once you recommend a bifocal to a presbyope, you will never get them into a progressive. 
There's no such thing as a bifocal conversion lens. It doesn't exist. Bifocal conversion comes what? from we stop recommending bifocals. Then you've got the other challenges of, of practitioners that are fine letting their patients walk out the door with a, what I would call a substandard solution uh, or just we can wait on it. We'll, we'll wait and see, right? Because mm-hmm. there's a fear that I've got to jump them from a single vision or maybe nothing at all if they're an emetrope to a progressive lens. Maybe at a maybe they're only a point seventy five. Maybe they're just a one ad. Hey, I wear a one ad. I need a one ad at my age. So I think that there's a a, a hesitancy to talk about presbyopes to a younger generation of patient. When with all the digital device use we're seeing, we know that patients are getting the impact of symptoms of presbyopia earlier. For a hyperope, you know, you're talking thirty seven, thirty eight years old. They're already feeling the effects of presbyopia. So don't let the patient walk out the door. Or you tell your patient, go down to the you know, local CVS or Walgreens and get a pair of readers. I mean, that, that's not great either um, because that's, that's by far not the best solution that a patient could have. The best solution, which is why they're coming to you in the first place, is for the, your medical recommendation for the best solution for their vision is a, is a progressive lens, specifically a Verilux progressive lens. So I think that there's a huge opportunity to both improve the standard of care and delight your patients by getting them into a progressive earlier. Don't be afraid to talk about presbyopia and use that word. I know we don't have such a fun term like nearsighted or farsighted for presbyopia. If you want to call it over 40 vision or anything else, um, there's just a huge opportunity to start having that conversation with patients earlier and in the exam. Well, there's, yeah, and I think I think if I remember back to my conversation, um, I've had a number of conversations related to presbyopia, but yep. uh, one that sticks in my mind with Dr. Dr. Barnett and Lowe um, was this idea of like four million new presbyopes annually that that kind of start to hit that that forty mm-hmm. year old mark, and then you start doing the math on it, and it's like, well, there's a number of those patients that that never wind up in our practice. And I can't remember those numbers, but there's a lot of them. Like it's something like 30 million across the country that are presbyopes that basically just use reading glasses. But, but I, I started doing the math and like if there were four, four, now not all presbyopes never saw the eye doctor before, but you know, essentially what that looks, looks at is if there's 4 million new patients that are, that are developing presbyopia every year and there's 45,000 just optometrists in the country, you're talking about a hundred you know, a hundred patients every year on average entering into an optometric practice. Mm-hmm. And, and it, let, let's say that, you know, um, even, even half of them, which I think is an overestimation it w- or actually an underestimation. If even half of them were new to the practice, new to entering into eye care, uh, and, and you just say a low estimate of revenue per patient of, let's say 250, just total revenue per patient, you know, you're talking about like on the low end, one year, um, just from that one year of new patients delivered to the practice is like $25,000 to the practice. Now, that might not seem like a ton over the course of, um, you know, over the course of one year, but keeping those patients happy, good vision, and con- continuing to come back into the practice um, is, it, it starts to compound. Uh, because it's not just those patients that come back the next year, but it's those patients plus the new patients that have just t- turned presbyopic and now want another solution. So 
the other thing that you talked to me about last time that I was kind of under underselling in in myself is, and I, I like the point that you made was um, your medical your medical opinion uh, and your medical prescription and recommendation for what that patient needs. And I I think that I, I do. I could do a lot better job, uh, and I think many of us could, of saying, look, Mrs. Smith, you're, you're complaining of some of this glare that you're experiencing mostly or this, this difficulty with uh, bright lights specifically related to your cataracts or to your macular degeneration. Um, and we can kind of embrace some of those other things like polarized lenses or like uh, transitions lenses that allow us to, to – um, highlight the fact that the patient does have a medical disease that may or may not need surgical or pharmaceutical intervention, but the interventions that we can offer within the lenses also uh, play a big factor in that. And, and I, I can't, I need to do a better job of that. But but I think that's after, since our last conversation, that was a point that made me kind of think, yeah, I, I can do better uh, by linking that. So thanks for bringing that up today as well as last time. I mean, think about it, you know, at the you probably get very in-depth in the exam lane with a contact lens, right? You know, some of it's based on the fact it's, it's definitely regulated, it's, it's, it goes in the body, but I mean, at the end of the day, the result for the patient is the same, so why wouldn't you go into the same depth of, of trial with, with lenses, right? Or at least discussion of lenses, especially related to presbyopia, in the exam chair. I think you've got a, a captive audience being the patient that is they're there to listen to you. That's their whole purpose of being there. Um, and make sure you're, you're planning that seed and that helps the team in the front when they're, we're talking about the different opportunities and different recommendations um, for the lenses. I think it all, it just, it comes together. And it's, and to me, to your point, yes, the, you get the 25,000 incremental revenue. You add that to the lifetime value of the patient if you get them into a, pres, uh, a, a progressive solution, two to three, maybe even four repurchase cycles earlier. But also, don't forget, they are presbyope. It is what they need to solve the, the problem that they're having. Um, and it's coming from you, the medical professional, which is what they're looking for. It's funny. I see this. I, I see it all the time, even in my daily life. We're at my, my in-law's house every Sunday for dinner, and I look across the table. My brother-in-law and his wife both just turned 41, and there she is with a pair of reading glasses sitting on top of her head waiting to, to pop them down. And my wife and I are over here on the other side. My wife works uh, for Estelle Exotica as well. Um, we're both just kind of chuckling and like, Hey, this is, we, we need to have a discussion. <laughs> this is what we do. So. Yeah. Isn't it interesting that, that, um, you know, I, I find this all the time is, you know, patients are, will just, they'll come in and they've, they've solved, they've quote unquote solved their own problems as you're describing early forties, maybe mid forties. And they, and there's, then they've got glasses on the top of their head or in their pocket or, you know, kind of hanging here uh, you know, around their, around their collar. And, um, and they think that seems less burdensome than just putting something on their face that can stay there all day long, right. you know, exactly. like the on and, and off. And it makes you them look older. Yeah. What makes you look older? Yeah, the, exactly. Wearing, uh, you know, and especially with the, the selection you've got of frames, uh, today, and I can recommend a few brands for you if you want, um, you know, what looks better frames or like I'm constantly doing this. That yeah. to me makes me look old. Like, oh, let me pull this out real quick, um, so I can see. Versus, hey, this is this is who I am. But it's I know because it, then it gets into like your your visual identity. And, and in research, when you talk to imatropes, man, 
2020 vision, their whole lives, it's something that they they wear like wear that like a badge of honor. And then you say, oh, but you will get presbyopia, you know, death taxes and presbyopia. It's coming for you. Yeah. They, they get very <laughs> concerned, very concerned. So but I get it. Um, but it, it, I think the more times you have the conversation with a 40 year old about presbyopia, the easier it will become. And one could argue it's a little bit of your, your it's part of the job, right? It's the duty to as a medical professional that th- this is what they have. No other medical condition would you say, hey, let's just wait and see. <laughs> let's let's, let's yeah. address it now. Yeah. Why do you think, I mean, why, what do you think is the, when, when you look at the research that you all have done, why do you think we we kick that can down the road? Why do you think professionals will kick that can down the road as opposed to do exactly what you said and say, because we don't do it with glaucoma. You know, we look for glaucoma at the very earliest stage and we want to treat it. Uh, we look for macular degeneration at the very earliest stage, and we want to try to intervene. Now we talk about, and I hope that we'll be able to have a conversation about myopia soon, but now we think about myopia in the same way. It's like, look, we know, um, Mark Bullimore has done a ton of research on this, is we know that, that there's no real safe amount of myopia. And so you're seeing kind of this transition. Is it because we think it, myopia is seeing a transition because we're linking it to the, we're understanding more fully the downstream effects of some of the other aspects of ocular yeah. disease that can occur from it. Um, but really when we think about presbyopia, we don't think about it as like a disease so much. It is a dysfunction. I mean, if you really look at the definition of cataracts and I've, I've looked at this a lot recently over the last year or so is really when they, when, when you describe presbyopia, it includes lenticular changes that, you know, that are there, that are the same pathophysiology that occurs within lenticular changes that we describe as cataracts. So I don't know. It's, it's interesting because we, it, it makes me think, you know, if I talk about any of those other diseases and I can make them better or I can intervene sooner and give a patient a better quality of life and a better visual outcome, well, why don't we look at it the same, Jeff? I think too often it's because there's a negative connotation on how you deliver the solution, right? You're not selling Hmm. progressive lenses. You are prescribing and recommending progressive lenses to that patient, right? Um, and that's where that, because the presbyopia conversation leads to the progressive lens conversation, which can be, it's, we, we know it's a different out of pocket for a patient, regardless of if they have managed vision care or insurance or not, or a government plan it is. And, and so there's a fear behind it, but you know, if I'm going to another medical profession, Hey, I, 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 I don't, don't give me a deal. I'm not, I'm not looking for a deal on my cancer treatment, right? I'm going to pay because this is what I have. So Take, think about it as, you know, for, talk about the product in the exam lane. I think because we disconnect the discussion in the exam lane on presbyopia on the condition with the, pro, the, the providing of the solution in the front of the office in the dispensary, then you get distracted with the frames, you have all these discussions, and then there's talk about dollars and cents. It, it's, you know, the consumer, we've talked about this before, that the individual patient in the exam lane consumer in the dispensary, they start feeling that, you know, because they're, they're have to get their wallet out. you got to start the conversation. Don't disconnect the two. You have to be hand in hand with those conversations because th- we are prescribing a progressive lens. This is what, this is the one we recommend. This is why. And it needs to be one continuous conversation from front to back. And I think that's where we fall down because 
if you start the conversation of presbyopia, it should end in the recommendation of a progressive lens. If you're afraid of the having the conversation on recommending that progressive lens for whatever reason for the patient, you're not going to even have the discussion on presbyopia. And that's doing the patient a disservice because you at least have to talk to them about the visual condition that they have and know that one, don't feel bad. It happens to everybody, death tax and presbyopia. Two, there is not a solution to presbyopia. You are going to be a presbyope for, for the rest of your life. Um, and then three, it's, it's not going to get better. You don't like normalize. You don't, okay, I, cause you know, I, I stop, I'm at a minus two and a quarter sphere and I stop. I'm at a one ad. Next is a one and a quarter. Next is a two. It's only right. going to get a higher level of presbyopia as you get older. So let's address it now. Yeah. Yeah. And it becomes, it's, it's the same conversation that we have with our, our contact lens patients. It's a lot easier to adjust to those smaller uh, powers. And that's actually why, I mean, you brought up Eisen uh, as well, but I mean, Eisen has been a really great transition point in, in our practice uh, in patients, you know, when they're one, when they're just using a lot of digital devices, and, and as you've, we've t- talked about before, they are all of them. Uh, so at, at low Eisen levels, but, but having this transition of Eisen 2, Eisen 3, Eisen 4, they can take a patient where, you know, they're in their mid to late 30s having more fatigue. You can sort of uh, transition that patient. So it's, it's, a, it's a continuous adjustment as opposed to this like stark difference. Like if I read a number, um, that, that the average patient that starts with progressives or maybe it's bifocals is like 54 years old or something like that in the United States. Like, man, you, you're, you're, you're guaranteeing that even with the best quality lenses, that patient's going to have a more challenging experience adjusting than they would have if they would have started as a, as a one, as a plus one. Uh, even even with the greatest design of lens, they're still going to have a harder time adjusting to that. Um, so why? Why do we do it? Um, I went from that's, an Eisen Plus one. 2 with the 0.6 diopters of power right into a Verilux X with one ad, one diopter of ad power. It was seamless. There's no challenge. Yeah. Obviously, I'm yeah. going from an Eisen Plus to a Verilux X as well, so I have that benefit. Why shouldn't every patient have that opportunity to try that as well? So I, it, it, it's what I see today is is no is just as clear as just as sharp without any challenges that I had in the past with with Eisen. It's it's incredible. And you know my my script next year's I've already been prescribed a one and a quarter ad. So tomorrow when Verilux XR launches, I can go downstairs get my Verilux XR with my one and a quarter ad now. And, you know, I'll feel like a, a grown up. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's been my exact same experience. You know, I'm 41. Um, but I probably started wearing, uh, and I've, I've probably started wearing in clinic, mm-hmm. a computer lens, um, when I was 35 or so. Okay. And now, uh, like when I'm, editing or when I'm reading or doing computer work, uh, for a long period of time, I always have my glasses on. Mm-hmm. And, you know, so when I'm away from the, when I'm in clinic, I have them on all day long. When I'm away from clinic, I'll, I'll put them on when I'm in, um, when I'm working on the computer. And the reality is, is like, I'll now even now I'm at 41, I'm not that old, but I, uh, at least I think I'm not that old, but I will find myself like I'm in, I'll be doing work like uh, hanging pictures or what, and I just put my glasses on and it feels so much more comfortable and I never notice any 
visual distortion off to the side. I mean, again, we use good quality stuff, so I'm, I'm not I'm not worried about that. But um, but I it it just seems seamless, and it's I think it's because I've had that transition, and so I always remember that when I talk to my patients, and I think I think you may even put a finer point on it because though the, probably the hardest ones are the emetropes, you know, the emetropes that are now kind of getting by. Uh, and they do pride themselves on not having to put glasses on their face full time, but they put them in their head full time and they're, gla- they're on their face part time. Those are the ones that are a little more challenging. And, um, and I'm, I'm working to make that better. Do I mean, you, I think um, we talked about, you know, the taking on and off of the readers, but mm-hmm. if you think about if, if you have to do that every single time you look at your mobile phone, how often are you going to do that every single day? You know what I mean? So it's like, People are on their digital devices constantly. Nothing's probably changed visual behavior more in the last few decades as the just the truly the explosion of digital device utilization amongst patients. So if they're going to be on their phone or tablet all day and every time they need that, they need their readers, it, it doesn't make sense to, to, to limit the patient to a reader. If this is how they, you know, there's no digital life if this is life. So you need the right solution for it. Well, I think that brings up, you know, you brought, brought up the last 20 years and I, you know, I, I finished optometry school in 2008. Mm-hmm. And so I've been practiced now. Um, well, I guess it's 15 years. So um, almost 15 years to the day that I've had my license. And so that's crazy to think about, but, yeah. but we, we either immediately after I graduated or right before I did, we had the Visi office one. Uh, and then we've we've upgraded to the Visi Office Two, and now we have other um, you know customized measuring devices in our practices. And I know that there's a new one now that I'd like you to talk about that you're using uh, within Eslor. Uh, but the cool part was is we've had Asworn technology now. We've had the ability to take these measurements for 15 years, mm-hmm. and. Um, that's what's exciting to me about the Verilux XR series lenses is that we actually have this 15 years at least of data from taking all these custom eye measurements where people are, where they're looking and how there's this center of rotation and where that center of rotation and we're going to want to have different uh, powers and how that patient is using their eyes. And that's sort of culminated, my understanding, from, from, uh, from reading the details about this lens that's coming out tomorrow is that's my understanding of the additional benefits is we've done a good job of placing things where where they belong uh, for a long time as worn. But now, Jeff, we can do something extra because we have all those data points over those years. Tell me about that. Yeah, no, I think that, you know, for, for us at Essel Exotica, we invest so heavily in research and development, and it's incredibly critical when it comes to how we develop uh, the next generation of Verilux Progressive Designs. Um, you know, when we think about the knowledge that we have about optics and the human visual system, and then we are just adding to that knowledge based on the technology we have to do research at an exponential rate almost every single year. Um, and you look at the additional data that we have, this proprietary data now on truly human visual behavior, more than just the eye-brain connection, how your eye functions, but truly how you visually behave, the lowering of your gaze, your lateral offset, how much you move your head, how much you move your eye, and being able to add that level of knowledge to the design is incredible. Because when we talk about all these digital device uses, what is that causing? Well, it's causing the patient to move their eyes 
well over 100,000 times every single day. And as your <laughs> eyes are moving, as you know, they're moving left and right together because that binocularity is critical to how your eye, how your brain interprets the images from your left and your right eye in the binocular summation to get a singular image and know what I'm even looking at. Now, you put a progressive lens in front of that eye that is not respecting how much those left and right eyes are moving together, that ocular navigation, you're going to get incorrect signals to the brain. That's why it's so critical to have this visual behavior data to improve the binocular balance and the binocular summation of the left and right lens, reducing the optical disparities between the two. The brain gets that instantaneous sharp vision delivered to it, and that's what the patient gets. Because you've got to have, that, that binocularity is so important to the overall visual performance, your contrast sensitivity. If you don't understand how the no eyes are naturally are working together, and you can't apply that to the lens, you can't get the level of performance you're ever going to see with a Verilux XR lens. Because Verilux XR, the best overall progressive lens, is going to provide that instantaneous sharp vision, even in motion. And that's what's critical, because you can have... You know, knowing what the left and right eye are doing in a static environment is one thing. It's a whole other thing to do in a dynamic setting where you're moving, things are moving at you. Um, that is that is the kind of information that we now have at our disposal to design something like Verilux XR series. And, you know, when we look at what we've been able to do in taking all of that data and using that data in behavioral artificial intelligence... And I do say it like that. It's critical when we talk about behavioral artificial intelligence because just like anything, it's garbage in, garbage out. So this huge amount of data that we have, this really great data that's allowed us to create almost a digital twin of an individual hmm. in a virtual hmm. setting, um, really at every type of prescription to make sure every design for every prescription for every wearer is almost so closely predicting their behavior we have a very responsive lens to those eye natural, the eye's natural movements before you even put it on. And that's what's going to be the great thing about Fairlux XR series. It truly is going to be the best overall progressive lens just based on the years of data that we have and our ability to turn that in to a beautiful progressive design through behavioral artificial intelligence. I mean, I, I think, I think um, the... From from my perspective, it's it's kind of like it'll be a. I mean, I know it's going to be a natural upgrade and a natural something that that will feel comfortable on me because that's been my experience for the last six years when I've been in a progressive with with Essilor, you know, with Essilor lenses. The thing I think about it, it's hard to kind of describe all of what you just said to a patient. You know, I think yeah. I think as we've discussed before, I think a lot of my patients um, that have chosen to to stay with us to to get their glasses from us, in addition to getting getting their care from us, they know this. They know the same thing intuitively about uh, that that I that I know is that I'm going to put these lenses on and they're going to feel immediately comfortable. My vision is going to be immediately good, and I'm going to be able yeah. to do the things I need to be able to do. But, but there's this whole other group of patients that, for whatever reason, have decided to go someplace else. Either we're not on their managed vision care plan or they, um, you know, for, they, they perceive that they're getting a better value from, from because the price tag is less uh, or the price tag isn't, doesn't wind up being less, but they're getting something different that they think is less expensive. Mm -hmm. um, for, for whatever reason, I liken it to, 
you know, I can tell you if you're not a car guy, and I am a car guy. I I, I think car. I, I like cars. I've got a big family, but I like cars. I like big engines. I like horsepower. I've talked about cars before on this podcast with you. That's why I'm bringing it back up again. Yeah. But I remember the very first time I ever drove a BMW. My dad uh, in 2013 bought a 2003 uh, M3 convertible, and um, and when I got behind the wheel of that car, uh, you just felt connected to the road when you. Um, when when you hear BMW describe their cars as the ultimate driving machine, I never understood what they meant until that moment, and so so um, so then that that kind of bound me to it, right? Mm-hmm. So I don't know, and I like your insight into how do we how do we have this conversation pith- effectively and um, efficiently with our patients about what they're going to experience when they've upgraded from the Verilux X design, perhaps, mm-hmm. uh, to the XR, how do we describe that to a patient in a way that, that once they do it, that articulates the advantage immediately, but once they do it, they're like, ah, the ultimate vision machine, right? Like, how do we, how do we send that message? Well, first, I, I want to address your, your, your comment about people under, your, the patient potentially undervaluing the progressive lens solution based on cost. I think a lot of that is a result of the the practitioner not talking about just like you would recommend and prescribe a contact lens by the brand and product name, doing the same thing with a lens. So if you just say, here's the progressive lens we recommend, and you just say progressive, and then the patient goes and walks by a, a, a location and says, oh, you know, we sell progressive lenses as well for X amount of dollars, they're not going to know that that's any different than what you prescribe them. If you say, I'm prescribing you. Verilux XR series, because over and above Verilux X, you're going to have instantaneous sharp vision, even in motion. So wherever you look, regardless of what's going on, you'll always maintain that sharpness of vision. And we know that because when we've done, we've done the wearer studies, we know that 90% of wearers in the wearer study perceived instantaneous sharp vision, even in motion. We know that 95% felt confident while they were in motion. We know that 95% were adapted to that design within the very first day, if not hours. So if you're not telling the patient what the brand is, what the product mm-hmm. is, and then the why, then of course they're gonna they're gonna think everything is there's only one cat one progressive lens. This is what I have. Someone else paid X for it. I, I got I got cheated. That's that's not what we want. So to me, first and foremost, you got to talk about it and say we are recommending and prescribing Verilux XR because the best overall progressive lens. It's gonna provide all your the vision you're gonna need. It's built in such a way that you will have instantaneous sharp vision wherever you look. Yeah, I think that's really helpful. I, I, I am um I might be a little behind if I'm gonna start talking about this tomorrow, but I but let me let me bounce this uh okay. let me bounce an idea off you and get you your reaction. Okay. So Okay. Let me see if I if I've assimilated the information in a way that I would want to deliver it to my patients. I think this is helpful just in general to kind of think about this. And so this is totally uh, just absorbing what you've said. So, um, Mrs. Smith, you have discussed having a challenge when you're trying to find those new locations when you're looking from distance to near and looking at your phone. The Verilux XR lens will do that, will allow you to adjust your focus in different places while your eyes are moving from side to side instantaneously. And when we look at the studies on this lens, 90% of patients 
report that immediately or even within a few hours on the longer end, they're going to be able to see more comfortably and clearly than their previous really high quality lenses. Something like that, Jeff, yeah, no, may articulate. That is that is great because you know. Yeah, you I got to work talk. on it. No, I got twenty four hours. You're, yeah, you're getting there. You're getting there. Now, remember, you're saying that to her. Yeah. In the exam lane, you're not waiting for the optician, right. the dispenser, talking. No, about no, I know. I know. You got This is, well, this is part of the the recommendation in the chair, and you're talking about because you could say, digital device use, screens everywhere. There's so much visual stimuli that you're absorbing every single day. Your eyes are just naturally moving all over the place. If the lenses that I'm selling or recommending aren't designed to move with you, you're not gonna. You, it's gonna take a minute to figure out what am I even looking at because the left and right have to work together. So I love how you're talking about. Hey, your eyes are moving from here to here. This is gonna make sure that you maintain that sharp vision regardless of where your eyes are looking. You know, I think the. Um I think we can kind of get lost in the coolness of the stuff we do, you know, and I think that happens to everybody in, in every position. And I also think we Optics can get lost is in very cool. Let me tell you, I see yeah, all the time. It is all the time. Yeah. Yeah. And, and so I think that's the, that's the thing of like, um, the more that we work on those types of things, the less it feels like, the less it sounds, but the less it feels like us selling a product the more it feels like us extolling all the cool benefits of like what we can accomplish now. And, and that I think is the key is understanding the details, understanding the benefits and discussing that benefits and prescribing those benefits based on that patient's specific symptoms. That's where I feel like um, when I'm hitting when I'm firing on all cylinders with my patients, uh, I never feel like I'm selling, even though I am, I mean, I'm not, I mean, I'm not mentally selling them, but like if I want a patient to adhere to a treatment pro program, they need buy-in and they, and, and I can't get them to have buy-in if, uh, whatever that treatment program is, if I don't really believe that it's the best thing for them and they'll, they'll feel it. Uh, and so that's why I love kind of working through that with you. And, and this has been helpful for me, even, even just kind of scripting out, or when I say scripting, that may not be exactly scripting, but how do I want this to sound for most patients, I think is very helpful for me to think through. No, I think, and, and, and it take you know, I think that's great that you're already doing it now. Um, and I encourage your, your colleagues to do the same that, you know, we already, have, and, and for a few weeks now, we've had some great content out on Leonardo, um, that allows the, the, the optometrist, the optician to go and learn about Verilux XR series, you know, we, we are doing so much today through media conversations like this, through training, um, in-person training at some of our road shows and trade shows, ABO credits available on Leonardo, you know, people, your, your colleagues should already be receiving some really impactful point of purchase tools and materials to help them in the recommendation. We're doing that now. We've been doing that for the last month or so, the last six weeks, because we want you to be ready tomorrow. We don't want to get to tomorrow. You download all the stuff into your practice management system. I can order on visual. And now now we start the process. That doesn't help yeah. the patient yeah. that's walking in the door tomorrow. You want to be ready to go for when Ms. Smith walks in tomorrow, you are ready to recommend Verilux XR day one. And yeah. to us, that's that's the most critical thing we can do is make make the practice ready to feel confident in prescribing it from the very first moment they have the opportunity to. And that's our goal with this launch, whether it's the education we're putting out, 
the, the elevated point of purchase and merchandising materials that we're providing the practice. Everything is there to help the eye care professional recommend and prescribe Parallax XR to that patient as soon as they walk in the door. Now, I think you, you touched on, uh, you know, being a past physiophysiologist user. You know, we do have additional opportunities for eye care professionals that want to provide um, a truly a personalized, not just lens, but experience for the patient. So um, we have a device called the iRuler 2 that's available through Essler Instruments, and you can go to their website and order it. Um, it's, it's, a, it's a device that sits on an iPad with a clip on the frame, um, a very quick, two, less than two-minute, uh, what I like to call follow the blue bouncing ball test for the, for the patient, which takes four individual parameters, uh, the, the gaze lowering, reading distance, lateral offset, and truly how your eye follows the, the blue ball um, to get that what we call the NVB, the near visual behavior. Um, when that is applied to Verilux XR, it becomes Verilux XR track, thinking about tracking your eyes. And mm. by then, we're not just using all of our great data to predict the visual behavior of your patient. We are using the actual visual behavior of that individual patient in the design. So you get all the instantaneous sharp vision of Verilux XR, but now with up to a 25% reading zone based on the prescription to make sure that that reading zone is perfectly positioned in place for that individual's behavior so they have the most comfortable visual experience they can. Super cool. So Jeff, I'm gonna be respectful of your time. For the listeners, check out eslorpro.com. There's additional resources there. I'll also put the specific links in the show notes. Jeff Harrell, thanks so much. Appreciate it, man. Thank you. We'll do this again soon. Anytime.